Welcome to White Shores, the podcast for spiritual beings having a human experience. Let me invite you to walk once more beside me on White Shores to talk about the real meaning of life and the true power of what is unseen. Let's discuss dreams, intuition, manifesting, as above, so below, angels, afterlife, the science of consciousness, and other infinite possibilities within and all around you. I hope every episode informs, inspires, and illuminates. So, now the scene is set. Allow the grey rain curtain of this world to roll back and all to turn to silver glass. Let's walk barefoot together on the gentle, glistening sands of white shores to see what mystery lies beyond the material. Thank you for arriving safely on White Shores, a far green country under a swift sunrise. I have a true visionary for you today. His name is Stephen Dinan, and he's the founder and CEO of the Shift Network and a member of the Transformational Leadership Council and Evolutionary Leaders. Now, the Shift Network was founded, I believe, about 12 years ago in 2010, and it's now got a reach, I mean, I'm sure Stephen's going to correct me, of close to 3 million He's a graduate of Stanford University and the California Institute of Integral Studies, and he helped create and and directed the Eslan Institute Center for Theory and Research, a think tank for leading scholars, researchers, and teachers to explore human human (laughs) potential frontiers. Wow, this is just, you know, when you hear this biography, it must make you go, wow, Stephen. Honestly, really, I could go on and on about ions and all the other things you've done. Also, your amazing books. I have read Sacred America, and I'd love to talk to you about that now, particularly now what's going on in in the world. But should we jump right in? My my listeners are saying, Teresa, shut up, let the guests speak. So hello, Stephen. Hello, thank you so much for hosting me. (laughs) <laughs> no, it's it's an honor. And I was truly honored when Shift asked me to uh, co-host the DreamWorks Summit earlier this year. It was a, a dream come true, forgive the pun, uh, doing that as a, as a dream dream author. So thank you for that. And, um, and I'm also doing an upcoming course with Shift, which I'm super excited about, of course, about DreamWork. But can we just jump right in with the Shift Network? Because this is a UK-based podcast. And when I was approached by Shift, I'm I'm sorry to say, but I wasn't aware of it. I am aware of it now and just how iconic it is. But would you mind telling people about Shift and your vision for it? Yeah, well, on the simplest level, part of our our challenges on the planet really evolve from a less evolved consciousness. And so the, the, the mission of Shift is really to help evolve consciousness on the planet. We do that by amplifying the wisest voices from every wisdom tradition and every lineage. And instead of just inspiration, we really offer a pathway of transformation, which is why we offer courses and advanced courses and eventually move into master's degrees and layers of growth that can happen over time. Uh, and so what we've done is really, we believe that all the world's wisdom traditions are important and, and valid. And so we've tried to have at least some representation from every lineage and to to really be able to harvest the world's wisdom inheritance, if you will, and then give people an opportunity around the world to be on a pathway of growth using that. So I think we're at our best when we take relatively lesser known teachers. I'm thinking of like 
Puma Kispe Singona, who's like uh, ra- raised from six years old in a, in a village Chinchero in, in Peru, who t- trained by his grandfather, who told him he was going to be a world healer. And he didn't really know what the heck that meant at the time. But, um, you know, by the time he showed up on a summit and eventually we did a course with him and he has, he's ended up with a very uh, large global um, student base. And now we're running a trip to Peru. But he's become much better known through the Shift Network and able to essentially fulfill this more prophetic understanding of his grandfather that he's a world healer because he's literally helping to heal in a global sense by um, by teaching people around the world simultaneously. We tend to focus a lot on live teaching, partially because we feel that there's a kind of a subtle energetic component to to the um, to the learning journey and to the awakening journey. And so, so we do more live content. We find it's more engaging. People complete it more. And so there's, there's a, a sense of which it's like a community going through together. Whereas a lot of um, online education tends to be more just downloadable and it can be harder to be accountable or stay enthusiastic when you're just self-pacing through, through content. So we, we do a fair amount of that as well, but we, we also have summits that, um, that really assemble the the key leaders in an area and feature 40 or 50 of the top teachers in a particular domain as you did with the the DreamWorks summit. And so we're we're really um you know I, I still consider us very early stage. My original download in a meditation retreat about what I needed to create was much much larger than we are and have many different ways for people to engage not only online but also in local hubs. And so we're kind of in an early stage of building an infrastructure to Amplify the amplify the wisdom voices of the world and and empower people's journey of transformation. Well, it's much needed, isn't it? Because especially since COVID and the pandemics, you know, so many people have been turning towards personal and spiritual growth as never before. I've certainly noticed that, um, and it's not knowing often where to go because there is no regulation, is there, in this in this movement, if you can call it that. Right. And so that's part of why one of our aspirations is to be the most trusted brand in transformation and so that we're not backing anybody we don't feel great about. So there are regularly faculty members that we cut because they don't treat people well behind the scenes, as an example. There's a, sometimes if there's a split between public persona and private actions, people mm-hmm. don't choose to continue working with them. And so we really have a deep commitment to working with real deal teachers who are, um, you know, n- nobody's perfect, but they're all on their own path of growth and development. And that they're not just kind of, you know, getting too full of themselves, if you will, and, and thinking that they're the guru to everybody else. Um, it's, you know, there's sometimes a balance of the being able to teach and also continue to be able to learn and grow that we like to see in our teachers. And, uh, and then that creates a sort of a trustworthy environment that people feel like, oh, as you said, it's an unregulated industry. Sometimes if you just see they bet people have been on this TV show or that TV show, you don't actually know, like, are they, what level are they really integrated their own material and done their own healing journey? And are they, are they acting out shadow stuff? Sometimes there's, you know, somebody that we, um, you know, without going into detail, kind of got involved in exposing because he was, he'd been a bit of a predator on other people. And so there's, 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 there is a, it is a little bit of a wild west in the, in the spiritual transformation industry. And so part of what the value we can bring to people is a discernment and um, sort of only, only really featuring people that we feel are going to be good for them and that really they're trustworthy. Yeah, because I noticed you also had worked a lot with IONS. Um, I've, I've collaborated with IONS as well, the scientists there, and bringing in science as well. 
um, into it. Um, are you still connected to them? Yeah, it's it's a little more light touch. We don't have a formal partnership, but we do. Um, I just had an exchange with Dean Radin um, this week, and they're. IONS is a great organization because it really is laying the tracks for a scientifically rigorous understanding of phenomena that are outside of the scientific materialist paradigm that involve precognition, that involve ability to affect things at a distance. Um, a lot of a lot of aspects of our kind of wider, deeper conscious nature um, have been marginalized by mainstream science. And so IONS has really helped to advance the alternative science. And it's actually the alternative science is many times much more rigorous. They have to prove things to a higher level. And so um, there's all kinds of really fascinating research. So we, we have a whole science and spirituality summit and vertical that addresses this and really features teachers in that arena. And a fair number of our modalities really are, I would say, like that are getting great scientific validation. And then there's other things that are, are, are sort of pre-scientific, if you will. They're sort of pioneering new terrain, haven't necessarily been studied scientifically, but you can tell from the testimonials or the results of people that there's something there, there, and that it's, it's likely to, just as meditation and yoga were once kind of like seen as sort of a bit out there and fringe now have been validated on so many different levels scientifically that, um, there's a, there's a lot of good science that's going on, um, and we like to partner up with that to to really yeah. advance understanding this of this terrain, which is which is important to kind of have the do, the dominant culture eventually see this as valid pathways of growth and inquiry that lead to real healing. Um, as an example, like we've done a lot of work, uh, we just recently launched a psychedelic healing vertical, partially because there's been an explosion of interest in that worldwide in the scientific community. And what we're trying to do more is bridge from a lot of the indigenous wisdom traditions that we've worked with and have often used plant medicines as a, as a path for personal growth with some of the more kind of modern psychiatric approaches. And so there's, there's a need for people to have a, a level of rigor, a level of depth, if, if they're going to be working with those, um, kinds of medicines, but there's, there's really good literature now on everything from MDMA to mushrooms to, uh, healing trauma, a lot of, a lot of different areas from, you know, fear of death to, um, PTSD that really, um, have been shown in rigorous scientific studies to have like a very positive outcome with psychedelic healing. So it's worth investigating and worth continuing in that direction. So what we're trying to do is always kind of be on a bit, the leading edge of, both the wisdom traditions and the sort of modern syntheses and see who's doing the groundbreaking innovative work. And I think I, I developed Amen. some of that predilection when I was working for IONS and Esalen where part of my job was to see who was, who was doing the interesting leading edge, leading edge work that was also grounded and that we could get behind. It's wonderfully thrilling um, to see this emerging group of scientists researching consciousness seriously. I mean, it was a revelation to me about, I think about 10 years ago, I found out about it because I'd just been collating true stories, you know, sort of anecdotal in my work and then to find them. And, and they were actually what I found when I approached them a bit nervously, they were so welcoming. Um, which surprised me because you often think that scientists are sort of like, you know, <laughs> not like that. And, uh, you know, like Dean, for example, very relaxed and very open and wanting this dialogue, which which is, is, is so, so heartening. It really is. But can I can I go back to you, Stephen? I'm, I'm fascinating. This is such a massive vision that you've got. And and and. I, I absolutely adore the Shift Network now. I'm talking to people about it all over the place. But um, where did that come from? You mentioned 
briefly a snippet about a download in a meditation. Yeah, I use it. It's, it's a somewhat playful term, but really, I mean, since you work in the field of intuition, I mean, it was it was a, it was sort of an intuitive um, access to the future in many ways of of what I was here to do. I, I believe at this point that we come in with a game plan, a set of soul intentions, if you will, to fulfill, and so. I had sat various meditation retreats, but there was one way back in 2000 that really became the clear that like I opened to something much larger and it kind of wasn't like a rational thought process, but it's more or less just like downloaded in during the meditation mm. retreat over several days of what I was here to do. And it was a bit of my kind of like burning bush bowman of like, oh, this is what I'm here to do. And, and, and at the time I had no, I had no, I had no background in business. I had no background in media and there were all, I had done scholarly work in the field, but I, there were a lot of things that I did not know how to do. So it took 10 years of actually building capacity, having some false starts and some failures to, to actually lay the groundwork to then get the company off the ground. So it was a bit of a sobering and humbling process to, uh, uh, you know, what broke once or twice and you know, just yeah. like having to kind of like lay the pathway. So sometimes people can assume if you get a, a vision of where what you're supposed to be here to do that it will unfold kind of easily or quickly. And sometimes it takes some building of capacity. So, so really for me, that came in 2000. It was 2010 before I was able to successfully get the shift network off the ground. And the, the one thing I say to people is just stay true to the vision, but trust, trust that the timing sometimes takes a while to unfold on planet Earth too. Sorry, I'm getting so excited. What was the first course that you did? What was the first... Um talk or workshop or on was yeah. it online yeah so Everything, it is yes. um so when i tuned it i i i did a process of i got clear that it was time to launch for real I then did three weeks of clearing out um everything psychologically email closets you know i did uh, all incomplete relationships i mean i i felt like I was just i wanted to free up all my energy and then I, I did a really deep process to discern what was the launch strategy. And what came to me was 40 days with 40 spiritual leaders from every major lineage. So we had, you know, everything from Zen Roshis to Eastern Orthodox Christians to rabbis to um, Native American elders to, so it was like 40 different people. And I'd made a fair number of connections over time, but there was at least a third, or maybe 40% of them that were totally new to me. But I just followed my intuition and ended up with this series of, it was all free. There was no upsell at the time. And I just got the sense that we needed to start with generosity. And the 40 days were really revelatory for me personally, because I was dialoguing with a lot of very wise and somewhat, you know, probably enlightened to some degree beings and uh, that they, um, and then I learned a lot personally and I hosted every call myself and basically I was doing the customer support and everything. And most everything's at the technology standpoint. And so I felt like that was clear. And then like midway on that, I just meditated on who out of those 40 was the most important to launch with as a paid course. And so I got, um, I got the sense Barbara Marks Hubbard, who was less of a wisdom holder from one particular lineage, but somebody who advocated for and championed a kind of a, a synthesis a, of conscious evolution. And, and I felt like there was, we already had a, a good deep connection at the time. And so, so that led to the first program and basically we were break even in, you know, with the launch of that program. And, you know, we ended up doing doing well in our first year. We were break even on our first year, so we bootstrapped into it. But it, for me, the the important part was actually getting the sense of like, 
what what can we add the most value with the least amount of investment to the larger world? And and so that original uh, Sacred Awakening series, or 40 Days with uh, 40 Spiritual Leaders, actually we call it Sacred Awakening series, 40 Days with 40 Spiritual Leaders. And that uh, went very viral, which is hard to do these days, frankly. And so we had 35,000 people sign up. So I built, you know, a good email list in, um, you know, 40 days. And and that led to an ability to launch the paid programs. So yeah. I find that that sort of more meditative alignment process, um, of which in your in your vernacular, you'd probably spend more time doing it with, on the dream levels, accessing kind of your higher soul intentions and guidance on a kind of dream level and precognitively looking into your future. But I think for whatever whatever the methodology that works is like trying to source our vision. Uh, from the highest level of our consciousness we can helps to make everything kind of click into place. So that's a different than like kind of a bottom, bottom up market analysis. It's like, here's, you know, it's like, and I, and I think there's a value for the other, but I, I find that the kind of the sort of opening the download channels leads to more interesting things um, rather than just like a market analysis, you know? Oh, it's interesting the way you're talking as well, and it's something that I've I've struggled throughout my career with this this I, the spiritual message, but combining it with the business side, um, and I'm I'm learning about that too. And a lot of people listening always think that the spiritual message should just be free, and you shouldn't have to pay for it, and all that. I'd love your thoughts on that. You know, spirituality and spiritual business is that an oxymoron? I think that the um the business and spirituality are should be intrinsically linked and uh, the, and the reason is that what you if you if the things that's going to really shift the planet forward are are things that can scale that people can make a livelihood from that they can do in a sustainable way and so a business that grows is ultimately a vehicle for serving up value to people that they pay for and they recognize the value they received and then and then there's you're able to have, make a full-time livelihood from it so if you have a a purely donation model it tends to work more with the kind of the aesthetics outside of the mainstream life, but then you don't have people who have kids and families. It's hard to, you know, hard to run something if it's off of that. So I find that there's a little bit of a legacy of a kind of an anti-embodiment, anti-worldly uh, legacy in spiritual circles that sees somehow that there's an opposition mm. between those things that are spiritual and those things that um, lead to fair economic exchange. Now, I do think it's important to build businesses in alignment with our highest values and um, and, um, principles and that, so it's like building spiritual businesses. That's a really interesting conversation. Some of it is that usually the spiritual people have to let go of some of their biases against mm. making money and see money in a higher light. And there's people like Lynn twist who wrote a book called the soul of money, which was a kind of Bible for me, where you really understand money more as a kind of a flow of energy and sort of a flow of blessing and energy and creative, creative power. And that, so if you're, if you're, tethering that to a higher consciousness perspective, you're just going to have much more influence in, in creating a better world. And so there's, I think some people have done some really good work around reducing that split between spirituality and money so that you kind of see that right livelihood, making a good livelihood, um, creating a, a thriving business, a profitable business from um, fulfilling your higher purpose and fulfilling your highest service is actually a, a beautiful thing. It's one of the things I coach people on. I don't do a lot mm. of coaching, but I, I've, um, I really enjoy helping people find how to monetize their mission, how to take 
a spiritual mission and then create a business model around it that has integrity that actually honors um, sort of right exchange of finances and leads to something that can grow and thrive and really fulfill their their mission. Because too many people will think it's just, oh, they have to sort of somehow ignore the money piece. The money piece is important because it's like a measurement of flow and exchange. And there's a discipline to business that's important to kind of respect and honor. And, um, yeah. and then if you, if you're kind of marrying that discipline of business with the higher guidance and higher intention about what you're here to create, then I think you can create something really substantial. So we have, you know, we have seven, <clears throat> 73 employees and we have hundreds of teachers and, you know, there's probably I would guess in the range of 250 or 300 people who make a livelihood or part of their livelihood from working with shift either as consultants or with people in the Philippines or developers in Brazil. And so it's, it's, an, it's its own little ecosystem. And all the time as CEO, I'm, I'm always having to sort of, you know, figure out how to des- better design the company to reflect our values. And so we have strong value statements. We, we do quarterly polls on how we're embodying those with our team anonymous. And so that we can start to keep refining things. But I, th- yeah. I think the real, the future to, to birth the future we know is possible is going to take a lot more spiritually based businesses to thrive. Well, I mean, the pandemic showed us that more than ever. That if you haven't got that inner, inner world, that inner strength, you have nothing really because, you know, relying on externals, it just, just doesn't carry us through and give us that sense of fulfillment. And I must say, when I was first introduced to Shift, it was like, it was it was just so, <laughs> it was mind-blowing. I remember my first um, Zoom with them, all these faces, and I was thinking, wow, what, what is this? It was, it was just... Um, uh, <laughs> It was really quite something, and it was kind of what I'd before been dreaming of, wanting to know if there was something out there like that. Um, and uh, without fail, you've all been so kind and authentic and and caring in your management of me. So thank you for that. Um, um, but watch this space. I'll let you know if not. <laughs> <laughs> but can we just quickly talk about the new age, that word new age, although it's now age very much now, isn't it? <laughs> and and, and your, your, you, again, you touched on this earlier, your thoughts on it right now, because it is becoming almost mainstream, isn't it? I mean, I, I can't believe that I'm now in a position doing national call-ins over here in the UK. I've done about 12, 13 of them now, where people call in and tell me their dreams, not their daydreams, but their nighttime dreams. <laughs> and I kind of, you know, help them interpret it live. This would never have happened 10 years ago. Oh, no. I mean, how open-minded is that? There's definitely an evolution of consciousness going on that's very accelerated right now. And I think it's being propelled partially by the planetary timing that we've got to mature so that we don't ruin this planet that we're on. Um, so it's kind of pushing us to grow faster in a, in a certain way so that we uh, can live sustainably and peacefully on this planet. Um, and I think you know it's going to take a few decades probably to get there, but I, I do think we're going to basically upgrade how we live on this planet. And it requires um, an upgrade in how we how we um, run our own minds and and uh, our, our own businesses and lives. And so um, in terms of the new age, so I think that the intuition is correct, that we are moving into a new age, a new era. And the way I think of that is, um, is more, it's like, it's a balance of masculine and feminine, we're sort of kind of moving beyond a patriarchal pattern into a sort of a, a balanced, sacred marriage of masculine and feminine. So that means that, that kind of harmonizes a lot of things that have been disharmonious. I think there's an, there's more of a accessing our own 
deeper wisdom, our divinity, our spirituality that allows us to kind of build our lives out of that standpoint of a kind of a soul directed life rather than a one that's just materialistic or accumulating the next um, thing. And I think it's going to be sustainable and peaceful. Uh, my internal sense is that we're kind of the 2020 to 2050 is sort of the developmental window, uh, maybe 2010 to 2050, we're kind of making this planetary shift upshift. And it takes a while for each person to kind of go through that shifting process. But um, as we do, and we start to create more of a center of gravity for this new culture, that's that's what people are talking about. It's a new age. It's a, it's a new era for humanity where we are operating from a more enlightened, more evolved standpoint as a baseline. And there's more people going into that. Now, I think part of the reason new age as a term has gotten criticized, rightfully so, is because it's become so ungrounded. Sometimes people kind of like leave behind the old and just talk in really lofty terms and start just talking about angels and archetypes and uh, and, and they kind of lose their tethering to the old, uh, old world uh, and the old virtues. And so I think that the best growth and evolution usually builds upon the last. And so I think that integrating these sort of, you know, new emergent culture with the, some of the values and sophistication of the old culture, whether that's political systems or business systems, it's not all going to crumble down. It's not, it's not like we're just tossing out the, the, the bathwater of the last 5,000 years and then totally creating something new from scratch. It's we're really building on the shoulders of those who've gone be, before us. And so I think where new this sort of new age gets really ungrounded is that there's not sufficient respect for the tradition or inheritance or the wisdom lineages. So that's part of why we try to ground a lot in wisdom lineages that have been around for a while and work with indigenous teachers and shamanic teachers so that there, you know, there's a sense of history that we're building on rather than just saying, it's the new age, you know, and, and kind of <laughs> and I think that, that can lead to a certain kind of ungroundedness that people rightly suspect. And, um, and don't necessarily gravitate towards. So you want to, I think what's happened with yoga is a good example of how we are moving into a new age in a, in a sense that yoga has disseminated from the world, from, from India. It's, there's yoga studios in every little corner, uh, corner of every block around the world. And those are little epicenters for practice, for transformation, for awakening consciousness, for healing. And that's happening in lots of different organic ways. And so they're all kind of thread together in the sense of like, we're moving to a new, more conscious era and the actual terms of what that looks like can sometimes get loaded with, you know, judgments and culture. And so most people don't want to identify as new age anymore, even though it's effectively, I mean, it's, it's sort of a neutral term that's now become a little bit like, oh, I don't want to be a new age person, but it's, I think what we want to become aware of where things go too far and mm -hmm. tethering or grounding in what's um, what's gone before. I grew up in Minnesota, which is very a much more kind of low key, non hypey um, kind of grounded place to live. And so mm. I try to like bring a bit more of the Minnesota sensibility to exploring some of this new uh, territory. Well, well, thank you. I mean, you sound so eloquent, and 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 it's it's logical what you're saying, and it's 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 not out there that term or whatever. It just sounds so sensible, and um, I'm really glad because over here in the UK there is a cynical strain sometimes, 
And I know that anyone listening who is cynical, um, you are so convincing. So, so thank you for that. Um, well, maybe and- you can speak to that a little bit. I, I think that it's it's good if you have cynicism on the surface to at least open to yeah. the possibility that there, there's a real idealism or a, des- a, a sincere desire underneath that you might be have a lid on. And so so the cynicism becomes a little bit of the defense against the, the, sort of the hope underneath. And so I just encourage people to, it's not like making the cynicism wrong, but like to inquire into like what might be underneath of like a hope for a better future or or a dream or an intuition that there might be something really much brighter that um, is somebody in somebody's future if, if you just open to it. Yeah, I mean, but there's such a danger, I guess, in in this this um, spiritual personal growth movement to speak to the converted, isn't it? And I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm actually finding the older I get, I'm actually really enjoying going to people who aren't really into it and, and engaging with opposite point of view and the skeptical. I've been on quite a lot of skeptical podcasts, and and I really do find that engaging. I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah, what I, uh, I did a book called Sacred America, Sacred World was about evolving yeah, our political system. You know, part of the reason for that is America influence, influences the world stage in a significant way. And so we have to go through our own maturation as a country, particularly politically right now. And it's, you know, there's a, we don't, I don't need to chronicle the ways that we're not living up to that yet, but it's... There's- but you must have been precognitive writing it in 2016, because I believe it was uh, several years in the making. Yes. Um, and in 20- 2016, you know, um, kind of America, certainly from the UK perspective, it was like we felt like we'd lost a parent. Yeah, no, I understand. I really did. I had looked, it was my dream. You know, I I had lived in America for a few years, but and I love holidaying there and always like America was was the dream. And and then in 2016, it was like, help. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> I, 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 I was actually in the, um, I went to both the Democratic National Convention and the Republican National Convention. Mm. I spoke in a, a stage, speaking of speaking with people who are not resident, who I was on, it was on a panel with Grover Norquist, who's like, in many ways, my p- total opposite, who's like champion of the NRA. And anyway, a lot of, you know, stuff that, that has been really challenging from the right, from my perspective. But part of the, the intent of this purple tent was to try to build, build bridges of dialogue between between uh, right and left in a good way, and um, you know, and I was I was actually in the arena when um, when Donald Trump was, received the nomination, and I could see the pattern of what was going on, and it was definitely scary and and concerning. Uh, mm. And it was interesting also to to humanize that by under, having dialogues with people who I I enjoyed actually, and who had kind of fallen into this Trump trance, and the, a lot of the Republican uh, Party still is in that Trump trance. And trying to understand that on a deeper level rather than just judging it as like, why is that happening? And the way I kind of see it is that there's a there's a certain immaturity in America that is needs to be kind of released. And it's mm. it's this kind of worship of power and money and dominance, if you will. And so it's like where where the, the attachment to power and being able to get your way sort of trump literally anything, any other other values, morals, aspirations, um, or in this case, democratic foundations. And so there's that kind of desire for power at all costs. And it runs deep in the American psyche and it can and, and run into kind of a violent terrain, which is part of what we've seen um, outworking. But I think part of what Donald Trump is here, he's actually 
surfacing that pattern and then ultimately going to be part of detonating it so that a more mature America can be born. I didn't necessarily want to go that path personally, but I do feel like there's a there's almost like an evolutionary logic in what's getting kind of exposed and hopefully mm. then cleansed from the American psyche. Um, it for, feels like a long. boiling kettle that you've got to... What did you think of Marianne Williamson's, um, you know, she really went, you know, to the centre, didn't she, with her spiritual... You know, Marianne is a friend. She wrote the foreword to my book, and she—I um, was very invo- involved in her campaign. I think she's an incredible prophetic voice of wisdom. Um, I, I, I think that there, she would have been better off sort of starting with you know a mayor or you know running for House of Representatives. Mm. It's like trying to. The president is not a, a great job to learn on the job. And so there were some, I think, challenges with the idea of her actually being president or some of what she was bringing forward was so, so out of left field for a lot of people that it was hard to digest. I do think she shifted the conversation. She opened up some possibilities. And so she's, her run served. And, uh, and I think we need more spiritually based people uh, to be running for office but it's you know there's also a working your way up Stephen, <laughs> is that your next step <laughs> no you know I, I people do ask me that somewhat regularly <laughs> but I, I don't I don't feel like I'm supposed to in this lifetime um, and so I at this point you know there's never say never I mean that's one thing with life isn't it it's constantly surprising and you're young yet given the age of the politicians out there in America <laughs> I've just changed my. I, I just changed my mental model. I was doing a a, a a show on epigenetics, and he was saying, "Oh, you really should." Because I told him I had my set point to live to 100. He says, "You really need to make it 120 with all the new epigenetic stuff coming out, where people are regularly going to be living to 120." But I decided that seems a little bit too far out. But I'm now setting 108 as my target. So I'm actually pre-peak. I'm 52. <laughs> Oh, you are. You've got. Oh, you're. You're baby, and compared to the politicians in, in America, isn't it? Yes. Um, you know. So who knows? It's very. It's very empowering, actually. That I, kind of like age has become like no longer an excuse or anything like that, has it? That in some ways it's yeah. very empowering. I mean, I think that, that part of how we're going to evolve things collectively is why we actually focus more on older people than we do on younger people, because I feel like we have this. There's this arc of you know mastering life, world family, work, business, and then people, once they've got those foundations in place, they can open to the kind of like higher levels of psychological and spiritual um, development and mastery more easily because they've already got the foundations in place. So a lot of the people who are really drawn to the Shift Network are 50 plus. And I think that that group is going to be the largest growing group in the next decades. And so this is the biggest opportunity to, heart, to, to help more of those people have feel like they have a meaningful impact as a sort of a wisdom carrier rather than just like retiring and playing golf or hanging out in the Caribbean, which, you know, has its benefits, but it's not ultimately like as fulfilling as if you feel like you're really doing something of value for other people well I've surprised myself you know I, I'm enjoying getting older and you know that Jonathan Swift phrase you know um no one who is wise wished to be younger <laughs> I get it now <laughs> I get that because it's like you're learning isn't it and every day you appreciate and and you kind of like just just feel more fulfilled each and every day it's it's wonderful getting older although white shorts does have quite a lot of young listeners as well there is actually um a lot of younger people engaged in spirituality as never before which is also very encouraging uh-huh 
Yeah, I think that it's uh, you know the, it's the partnership probably of the the elders and the youth that really helps to ch- transform things. Usually, the youth by themselves get kind of very frothy and change the world and a little bit kind of like too you know trying to dramatically change things, not necessarily sort of build things in a kind of wise and incremental way. And I think that if you kind of b- bring the wisdom of the elders with the exuberant change energy of the youth, that's where you sort of get. Um, a larger, a larger potential to change the society for the good. I've had a download, Stephen. When's the Shift Network going on TikTok? <laughs> you know, it's funny. We're do, are doing strategic planning for next year, and I did put that on our our strategic planning document to like start to have a have a couple of TikTok specific launches that were like yes, bring, yes. And, and I, I personally, I mean, I I can't handle TikTok so, my, so myself. But I, I feel like you I, have to, to work I have to embrace <laughs> opening to it. <laughs> Oh, that's fair. yeah. Because you do, you do. Oh, because being online, of course, that's the major way that you you promote, isn't it? Um, through through yeah. socials and, and everything, you know, is um. I I've I've taken a while to adapt to that. Um, I was very very anti it, but it is a way of spreading the word and communicating oh. with people that you never would before. Yeah, it's amazing that some of what comes through is like I remember we had somebody in Nigeria who was running a a camp for refugee women who would play stuff from the Shift Network over loudspeakers to to the women for inspiration and uh, and they asked me to to record a, a a blessing prayer for their soccer game. And I was just like, I was just like, there, oh. you know, I mean, what, how beautiful in terms of the internet of just how things propagate out there is like, okay, oh, sure, I'll, I'll record a blessing for your soccer game. But it was just sort of fascinating how it's like, I, I really love that image of women refugees just listening to Shift Network programs in a camp in, in uh, Nigeria. So I think that's part of the real blessing is that the wisdom of the world can circulate in a way that's like, you know, far fewer barriers than there used to be now. And I think that that can really accelerate things. Yeah, what a, what a, what a way forward. Just jumping into this illuminating interview with Shift Network CEO Stephen Denan to tell you about the online course I'm honored to present with Shift. It's called Precognitive Dreams Can Help You Create a Future You Love. Harness your inner psychic for solutions, healing, and improved well-being. You can experience the course live with the first of seven hour and a half lessons broadcasting on November the 17th, 2022. But if the live timings aren't possible for you, or you are listening to this in 2023 and beyond, you can download all recordings and work at your own pace. Registration is open right now, so just head over to the Shift Network, search for my course, and you'll find registration details there. As well as the course, there's bonus materials included too, as well as science, music, exercises, meditations, homework, and cameo appearances by some VIPs, or that's very important precognitives. But whether or not you join the course, please keep writing down your night vision on waking. Reflect on the meaning of your dreams and believe in their timeless transcendent beauty. Okay, back to Stephen's wisdom now. Is there, I mean, Sacred America, you wrote it in a moment in time, but a lot of what you've been saying 
in this interview is 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 kind of like the message of the book as well. Um, but would you recommend people read it now, continue to read it, or are you working on another another book? You know, I'm going to work on another book next year. I don't know what the title is going to be, but um, I think it's a very good visionary kind of roadmap of some of the things that America needs to go. What I was trying to do with that, um, I tried to inspire people. Or there was a few people who contacted me about writing their own version for their own country. So maybe... <laughs> the idea is America- the UK. There we are. I'll go and tell Harper. Right. So the, <laughs> so the idea of sacred America, sacred world, is that part of the sa- be, sacred purpose of America is to be yeah. up to transition to where we're really like one humanity, that we're one global species, that we're one global family. And, and so it's a global yeah. operating system that we're moving towards. And so each nation state has to move out of thinking more selfishly as a nation state into a more of a global sense of care and compassion. And 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 so I was, you know, there was a, a person I was trying to get to do a, a sacred Czechoslovakia, sacred world. So it's sort of like each country has its own evolutionary pathway. And I think that whether it's, you know, breakdown of democracy, as we've seen in, in um in America with like, you know, January 6th or th- like some of the financial challenges happening in Britain right now is like seeing those as opportunities for a redesign. Like what are the, what do we need to redesign? How do we up level? Um, how do we fulfill a still higher purpose as a country? I think that not only individuals, but countries actually have higher purpose or higher destiny path. And if we open the possibility to that and then articulate what is it going to take to get there? I think that's a really interesting project and service. And so, so in a way, I, I didn't want to sort of overemphasize America, but given I'm American and I think we have an outsized influence on the global stage, it's, our maturation is really important for the planet. If we if we stay stuck in some of the cycles we've been stuck in, it's not good for the rest of humanity either. And uh, it most certainly is. I mean, we, the world does look to America most certainly. Yeah, um, and, yeah. And it, really, it's, each it's, country has. Each country has its contribution, you know, I, and I think that mm. thinking along those lines of like what might be the higher vision for a country, what might be the pathway for us to heal some of the old traumas, to some of the old divisions and move towards a, a kind of a, a, a brighter future. I think that's it's it's an interesting exploration and projects. So I didn't want to make it like, oh, this is just definitive for other countries. I was like, I was thinking it'd be great to inspire other people. So Sacred, you know, sacred England, sacred, sacred world would be an interesting exploration <laughs> for somebody to do. Um, as, oh, what is, well, you know, how does how does Britain find its its next highest destiny path? I mean, it has it has a there there's a a greatness in the sense of like influence in the world that's already been established, and there seems like it's a moment of crisis of confidence in certain directions. Mm, so, I mean, the death of the Queen recently because I, I live in Windsor, so kind of like saw it, you know. Uh, incredible outpouring and apparently 4 billion people watch the funeral. Wow. So there's the incredible influence on the world stage. And so I think that Um, there's, so uh, just planting the seed of thinking along those lines, what's the higher destiny path that we, that we can achieve now as a, as a country. And it's different than just having an old colonial empire. It's like, it has to be um, come from a different foundation than in the past, but there's what's the greatness that is still to come. Wow, you are you are such a visionary, and that's not not an understatement, Stephen. I mean, incredible. You've given me so much to think about, and I'm sure everybody listening too. For people new to the Shift Web Network, what's the best way to connect to them? Is it just typing in the Shift Network? Yeah, just go to theshiftnetwork.com. Get on the email list. Um, you know, I think peruse around, find things that you're interested. We do. You know, we 
cover a lot of territory of different methods and, you know, from science and spirituality, to energy medicine, to Qigong practice, to shamanism, to, there's a lot of areas. And so just kind of, you know, you dip your toe Did in you and, dip your toe in and see, see what, see what, see what draws you. And, um, and then, you know, things lead to things from there. That you need never be bored again when you, you sign up <laughs> to the Shift Network. I am telling you, take it from me. It is mind-opening. There's there's something for everyone. And there's also a lot of free content as well as paid. So, you know, if you are having budget problems, which a lot of us are right now, just check it out, you know, um, and just see what you can do yeah. in scholarship and all sorts of things so Our, please yeah, we, do we have that. we have two or three free events a week and then we also and we have a free summit um at least once a month and and uh at least for the live portion the download package as is um you have to pay for but um but the free aspects i mean you can there are plenty of people who just do nothing but free on the shift network and you know that's part of our service and and then and then you know they would create the business off of the people who want to invest more in their growth and development Thank you. And and if you want to see Stephen in action, I, th- I believe we'll be talking soon, aren't we? We're recording a Indeed. video. Indeed. You can so see the two of us. To that. <laughs> you know, and, see, and now that you've you've heard the voice, because you can learn a lot about someone from their voice, and your voice is so alive. There's so much ahead, isn't there? there. Um, the Shift Network for you, books, visions, talks. Oh, oh my goodness. Um, uh, you know, you, I, do you, would you say you're precognitive? Uh, I think I, I see it as a little bit more, I see that I'm more intuitive for potential pathways, but I'm not, I'm not always hundred percent accurate. I'm not like some people, like I dream the future and it exactly happens. It's a little bit more like my, I can open up to where could this go? And so I like to talk about, you know, with, I, if I coach somebody or do a strategy session, I'll sort of focus on like, what, what is their, the thread of what they're doing? Where could it go in three or five years? And so I can intuit that pathway and a lot of potential pathways really easily. So I think the future is less fixed and more kind of, um, there's like probability pathways moving forward and some some are more probable than others. But I, I kind of like to spend time following the thread forward and seeing what could manifest. And then you see like who rallies behind that. And um, and so I think there's certain things that are kind of more fixed about the future that you can precognitively see and just get a really clear vision. And other things that are a little more malleable about like how it depends on how we show up to to life. Oh, that's that's so optimistic and solution focused. Thank you. And I'm just going to end with the J.R.R. Tolkien quote I give all my awesome guests. And I found for you, I believe it's the Fellowship of the Ring, because White Shores, you see, it's a homage to <laughs> my love of Lord of the Rings, because it's the unseen, the undying lands. And this is a quote, he may become like a glass filled with a clear light for eyes to see that can. Have you got a, a quote or something that you can leave listeners of White Shores with to reflect on as we end this amazing interview. Uh, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I probably won't get it exactly right, but Robert Persig had something that was like, um, to, it was like, to live for some future goal is shallow. It's the sides of the mountain that sustain life, not the top. So I think that even if we're going to be visionary and look at p- future potentials, it's like to really relish the moment and, and to, um, you know, embrace what is the joys of what is even while we're working towards something better. Absolutely. Do, do you feel though that in, in living like that, in living with that joy and that passion for the moment, you are already creating the future with that? 
I think it's the best way to create the future. Um, mm. Because if we put too much of our attention on the future, then we sort of we're actually not as magnetic to that future in certain ways. <laughs> like, it's like because it's like yeah. part of like being being more you know, full, you know, aligned with ourselves, more connected to each other, to our environment. I'm not saying I'm perfect at this, but what I notice is that when I'm more fully here, that's when I'm actually best at creating and a- attracting the right people and resources to manifest the future too. So the best way to, um, to, to, to see the future is to create it now. Yeah. <laughs> let, the- let yourself dream the future into being and embrace, embrace, <laughs> embrace what it is right now. Oh, I knew this would happen. I'm overrunning, but hey, never mind. Are you a big dreamer? Do you wake up with lots of images and scenarios? You know, I haven't been as good at just, you know, specific journaling about the dreams. So sometimes I let them go. I definitely do get, do have dreams and and work with them, but it's like, it's, uh, we've, we, I have two young girls right now. So we have, uh, like some sleep deprivation, uh, cycles, uh, over the last six years that, uh, that have, uh, impinged a little bit on the dream, dream time, but I, uh, I deeply appreciate it. Those dreams will come back. They do. They're like, (laughs) our best friend aren't they they do come back they're working away quietly even if you can't recall them because you because sometimes life is too busy isn't it you haven't got time to to write them down you know it's just there's so much to do Um, i think this is your i've been trying to kind of like dial in different aspects of my i think i need to keep a dream journal next to my bed and so i'm going to do that after this call i'll make you I'm trying to get everybody to, and I'm trying to obliterate the words just to dream and get everyone to keep a dream journal and then to look at it in hindsight because that's the best way dream everybody gets hung up on one dream it's like a series it's like a Netflix series you've got to tune in every night to see what happens next and people need to look at their dreams as a series not individually but anyway mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll say more that to come well, I get to interview you soon so we get to focus yes, more of what you have to share so I appreciate the opportunity for to to speak with your listeners and and uh, also build bridges since I do feel like, you know, to speak to that current of like, you know, England and America have like a, a deep intertwined destiny. So we're friends, not foes. We are. Oh, we are deep friends, deep friends. <laughs> and I think that, you know, I think there's more to come in terms of how do we really serve the, the creation of a world that is uh, worthy of us, you know? Absolutely. Stephen, from my heart and soul, thank you for all you are and all you do. Thank you as well. Beautiful to connect. Thank you from my heart and soul for being here and walking beside me in spirit on white shores. Sensitive, kind, compassionate souls like you who see beyond the material are needed more than ever today to help this earth heal and evolve. If you have any questions, stories or insights to share, I absolutely love hearing from you and aim to reply to everyone in due course. My website is www.theresachung.com. My contact email is angeltalk710 at aol.com. And you can message me via my Instagram handle, the Teresa Chung, as well as my Facebook and Twitter author pages. Until we meet again on these white shores, keep being amazing spiritual you, sending my eternal love and gratitude. <laughs>